He marveled at the vastness of the open desert and at the multitude of colors the setting sun painted across it. This was unlike any landscape he'd ever known. He'd spent most of his life in the woods and fields of Virginia. When the Civil War had broken out, he moved his troops through the Carolinas and down into Georgia. He'd spent a great deal of time in thick forests and deep swamps and had never seen a desert, nor could he have imagined one so desolate underfoot and yet so vibrant overhead. He pushed his hat off his forehead and used the sleeve of his coat to mop the sweat that had collected under the brim. The material felt like sandpaper against his sunburned skin. He lifted the patch that covered his missing left eye and rubbed the empty socket then twisted off the top of the canteen and took a swig of the warm water. He swished it around in his mouth to remove the taste of grit, then spat it on the ground. It evaporated in a puff of dust. He kicked at the indentation it had made in the sand and noticed that his usually shiny black boots had become dove gray. Unlike most of the men in his regiment, who abhorred the heat and dryness of the desert, Adkins found the terrain unspoiled and beautiful. Back at the wagons, Private Blackward tied the finishing knots of the rope corral he and Private Polson had constructed for the horses in their care. The mounted soldiers were responsible for their own animals, and had to pray that their increasingly thinning steeds could eke out enough food from the scrub around camp, while the wagon horses and those of the ranking officers were fed grain from barrels, and hay that had been confiscated in the name of the U.S. government from ranchers along the way. Private Polson poured feed onto the ground, while Blackward tossed a few bales of hay into the corral. A large wooden barrel was opened and left for the horses to drink from. I say, if the Indians want this dried-out hellhole, let them have it, Blackwood said as he ran his dirty hands through his sweat-soaked hair. <laughs> I agree, Polson nodded as he slapped the rump of a nearby horse, sending a dust cloud into the air. Why they want to build a fort in the middle of perdition, I'll never know. This place is no good for anything except rattlers and horned toads. When the dust cloud settled, Polson squinted his eyes. What the... what is it? Blackwood said as he stepped beside Polson. I could have sworn I saw something on the top of that hill. Not content to stay in the village... Laughing Self had come looking for his friends. He walked through a sagebrush patch that had once been the site of the ancient Keohawk village, toward Four Feathers Hill. Over the centuries, the tribe had moved with the receding shoreline of Big Water. Laughing Self ascended the hill. When he saw Winter Wolf and Mad Fox laying on their stomachs, he stealthily climbed up beside them, then, placing one hand on his hip and one over his eyes, he scanned the desert beyond and asked, "'What do you see?' He had barely gotten the words out when Winterwolf yanked him down to the ground. 
I, I don't see anything, Blackwood said as he surveyed the top of the hill. Well, I know what I saw, and I saw someone standing up there, Polson insisted. Blackwood pulled the brim of his cap over his eyes to help block the setting sun's glare against the golden sand on the hill. All I see is dust. Polson pushed Blackwood out of the way and jogged over to the covered wagons. Brom Page was helping his wife Polly out of their wagon when Polson approached. Brom turned on the private before he had a chance to say anything. You know never to come near this wagon unless ordered to do so. Polson found his mouth too dry to get the words out and had to clear his throat a few times to summon enough spit to speak.